How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love. The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people, live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Good afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome. This is the Leslie Marshall Show. Always great to be with you. Um, This is Michelle Jawando coming to you live on the Leslie Marshall Show. So I will tell you, um, this has been an absolutely amazing, crazy, full of, I can't even think of enough adjectives right now. It could be because it's the end of the day. But this has been a week, ladies and gentlemen, uh, yesterday with the last debate between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. And so we're going to talk about it today, but we're going to talk about some other things too. And I want to hear from you. Go ahead and give us a call at 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. So before we get to uh, go too far, I want to make sure I introduce to you to some amazing guests that I have joining me today, um, friends of the show and um, people who are constantly out there talking about the most important and pressing issues of the day. So joining me in studio is none other than Lauren Victoria Burke of NBC Black and The Root. You can find her on Twitter at L-V-B-U-R-K-E. Lauren, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Always great to have you. Also joining us, Alencia Johnson. She's the uh, Uh, Deputy Director of Communications for Planned Parenthood Action. You can find her on Twitter at Alencia, A-L-E-N-C-I-A-J. Alencia, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So glad to have you. And last but definitely not least, and for the first time joining us on the show, and hopefully not the last, I'm excited to introduce Jamila Lemieux. She is the Vice President of News and Men's Programming at Interactive One. You can find her on Twitter at J-A-M-I-L-A-H-L-E-M-I-E-U-X. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. (laughs) So, ladies, I want to get right into it because um, yesterday was, let me just say, interesting. I try not to go to debate watching parties because my face has no chill and what I mean by that is I have no poker face I can cannot keep my opinions to myself and find myself often screaming at either the television speaking very loudly to my husband who's like okay Michelle I'm sitting right here but it's just too much Um, I want to play this quick clip when I lost when I physically lost it last night Uh, guys cue that up for me because at this point, Social Security and Medicare are going to run out. The trust funds are going to run out of money. Will you, as president, entertain, will you consider a, a grand bargain, a deal that includes both tax increases and benefit cuts to try to save both programs? Well, Chris, I am on record as saying that we need to put more money into the Social Security trust fund. That's part of uh, my commitment to 
raise taxes on the wealthy. My Social Security payroll contribution will go up, as will Donald's, assuming he can't figure out how to get out of it. Uh, but what we want to do is to replenish the Social Security Trust woman. Fund by making sure that we have sufficient resources. So, I mean, did Donald Trump actually say such a nasty woman? I mean, that was just... I could not. I, I lost it at that moment. <laughs> yes. I was like, did he really just say that? <laughs> yes, he absolutely really just said that. As, as he said, bad hombres, as he has compared immigrants to rapists and murderers. He said those things. That's right. This is really happening. And I'm with you. I can't go to debate watch parties. Yes. I just can't. I just, I just can't do it. Alencia, I mean, you have spent so much of your career um, literally at the forefront of the women's movement and the women's choice movement. But I just feel like in some ways these issues around kind of race and gender have been like at the forefront and just the vitriol with the way he said nasty I don't know it just it got to me it triggered me you know it was very triggering and that someone who would one disagree with him as a nasty woman or someone who's actually more qualified than him as a nasty woman you brought up race and gender and every time I hear nasty in the context of a woman I think of Janet Jackson's song nasty and she's actually <laughs> taking back <laughs> but she's taking back the power for nasty boys mm. um, and I know that there are some memes going around of, of Hillary and, and Janet Jackson but but frankly you know Donald Trump is stooping to an ultimate low to just throw insult and insult as someone who is obviously smarter than him and more qualified to be president. Um, it is sickening and sad to see this on a national stage, but we know as women of color, had it been a woman of color, I know we're going to get to this in the, in the show, but a woman of color in that position, it would be even worse. Mm-hmm, so this is mm-hmm. what he's saying to um, someone who is not a woman of color, even though she's extremely qualified. What would you say to a black woman on that stage or a Latina woman on that stage? Yeah. yeah. Jamila, I mean, what was was that a trigger for you? I mean, you spend so much of your work um, as a social commentator and writer. I mean, just the language that's been used, but specifically that moment for me last night. I can't say. I mean, triggering for me at this point is seeing Donald Trump step onto any stage, particularly <laughs> the debate stage, you know, that he had to or that he had to share with Secretary Clinton. Right. You know, for, for each of these three debates, there was just this very low moment that I experienced, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. was realizing, and this is, you know, putting anyone's legitimate or unreasonable critiques of Secretary Clinton to the side, mm-hmm. that she is, if nothing else, an experienced politician mm-hmm. with a very impressive, unmatched resume. Mm-hmm. And so that somebody who has not held a single political office in the land probably hasn't even set foot in a post office <laughs> in many, many years. <laughs> it's to share that space with her and having this distinction that, you know, if he gets not one single vote, he can always say that he was a Republican nominee for the candidate, you know, for the presidency. Mm-hmm. Very few people on the planet can can attest to such a thing. And so right, he right. continues to blatantly lie and say things like this just it blows the mind but nasty women in particular you know that's just not one of the things you can say about secretary clinton and there are a lot of things that you can say that you know maybe might not be terribly flattering or how somebody interprets how she speaks how she carries herself but he is somebody who has ran a campaign on nastiness 
Mm-hmm. And so the, this is a, you're uh-huh. almost seven years old and saying, I know you are, but what am I? Right, right, right. Alencia, you were going to say something. <laughs> no, I mean, I was agreeing that he has run a campaign on nastiness. And sadly, it seems as though folks, it was the last straw for folks when he was talking about grabbing women. And my mom probably thinks I won't say the full quote, but <laughs> literally sexually assaulting women mm-hmm. when we know, as Jamila said, he has, I mean, this is one of the nastiest campaigns we've ever seen. We thought we saw it with John McCain and we thought right, we saw right. it with um, Mitt Romney, but not not like this. He is attacking people of color. He's attacking immigrants. He's attacking people of different faiths and with different disabilities. But it was the last straw when he started attacking uh, white women. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so I agree with Jamila's point that he has run a completely nasty campaign mm-hmm. and hoping that that is the conversation that we're having with, what, 19 days until the election. Right. Lauren, now, how much of this, though, is um, a result of what has become, in some ways, a very toxic environment here on the Hill? You know, you're on on the Hill every day covering this. Yeah. Well, it's obviously there's a direct line, in my view, between the Tea Party and this, because this was this Tea Party ideology, the grievance, Mm -hmm. the complaining, the hating the government, all mm-hmm. of that started in 2010 uh, with the Tea Party, 2009, mm-hmm. late 2009, with uh, the arrival of the first black president of the United States. And I don't think any of that was a coincidence. The plan was to obstruct him, him from the first night of his presidency. Mm-hmm. That was the plan. And so that, you know, grievance and Breitbart, and then we saw sort of this creation of uh, right-wing media, etc., there's, there's a direct line between that and this. Obviously, we see Steve Bannon as the mm-hmm. campaign manager yeah, of Donald Trump. It's just outrageous. It's, it's, it's just crazy. You could not have scripted this. Exactly. Yeah. And I think yeah. that, you know, obviously in 19 days, we're going to see what happens. I think Hillary Clinton is going to get somewhere north of, you know, 64 million votes. And we're mm-hmm. going to see how many people come out for Trump. Unfortunately, it is depressing to note he'll probably get 40 or 50 million people. At least. <laughs> right. And that's what I right. tell people. I said, a secret stat out here for these elections, right. 200 million people have now registered for the first time in history. Now, we know not all those people are going to show up, but these numbers are going to be huge and it will be interesting to see what happens. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk about Michelle Obama because she had a lot of choice words to say about Donald Trump and some people went crazy and decided to try to attack my first lady this week and we had to let them know. So let's uh, take a quick break. You're listening to Michelle Jawando on the Leslie Marshall Show with my guest Jamila Lemieux. Alencia Johnson, Lauren Burke will be right back after the break. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show, 888-6-LESLIE. pretend like this isn't happening and to come out here and do my normal campaign speech, it would be dishonest and disingenuous to me to just move on to the next thing like this was all just a bad dream. This is not something that we can ignore. It's not something we can just sweep under the rug as just another disturbing footnote in a sad election season. Because this was not just a lewd conversation. This wasn't just locker room banter. This was a powerful individual speaking freely and openly 
about sexually predatory behavior and actually bragging about kissing and groping women, using language so obscene that many of us were worried about our children hearing it when we turn on the TV. You know, three days ago, the New York Times released a love letter to Michelle Obama with a theme of how above and beyond she's gone as a first lady. Um, I think for many of us, we know that support from Michelle has never been low. Um, when critics called her ugly, um, blowback is instant. It's astounding, and it's from users all over the networks rushing to defend her. Her legacy... I think a long but separate with Barack Obama's will definitely be one of power, redefinition, poise, grace, and style. Um, I believe it will be interesting as we prepare to go into um, all of these moments where we start to look at the legacy, but how powerful um, the Michelle Obama legacy will be. And Jamila, I just want to start with you. Did, you. did you get a chance to check out that love letter? I, I thought it was really beautiful, and as someone who's a content creator, of course, is a little bit jealous for not uh, having that idea first. <laughs> you know, Yours will, will be even more wonderful, mm-hmm. darling. I know it will be. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I just, I am happy to see how... Um, how it seems that Michelle will be remembered by history and how she's being honored in the present, you know, even before her family has departed the White House, because the introduction of the now First Lady to the national stage was marked by so much pushback and so much, uh, you know, race, so, many, so many examples of just racially charged um, statements and pieces of propaganda used against her um, to take down her husband, you know, and, and the more that it was obvious that he was not just a viable candidate, but, you know, a presumptive nominee and, and quite possibly the next president of the United States, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. casting her as angry, um, which, of course, is uh, saddled with the idea that it is incorrect or improper or inappropriate for black women to be angry, and I, right, I think right, most of right. us on this uh, in this conversation would take issue with that, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that she has said, you know what, I'm not really interested in being a politician, I'm a mother, I am someone who believes very much in children and veterans and healthy living, and those are going to be the things that I focus on. And by the way, I'm going to become a style icon before your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thought that those love notes were a fantastic way of marking, you know, and celebrating all that she is. Mm-hmm. Um, Alencia, what were your thoughts? I mean, I, I loved it, and, um, you know, Gloria Steinem said it. She's, like, become the most powerful messenger. Um, not only during the president's his first campaign in 2008 and during his presidency, but also as a surrogate for uh, Secretary Clinton. And I agree so much with what Jamila was saying and how when we were first introduced to her, the media um, and Republicans tried to tear her down and, and throw out the angry black woman trope. And, mm-hmm. you know, we identified so much with her, being a professional woman who was just sure of herself and, um, takes care of her family and supports her family. Um, we saw ourselves in her and, and love seeing how she has evolved and changed what the position of First Lady looks like. And, you know, what she said and what everyone is saying now and this point um, of the election is that they go low and we go high. She doesn't have to take a direct hit at Donald Trump. She can talk to the narrative of what this is doing to young people, young girls, especially if that has been her platform, what is the impact that all of this has on people without having to 
have so many vile attacks that we see in the election. And one thing I noticed at the DMC at the convention when she, you know, her opening night and, and everyone's crying, you know, everyone thought that that was going to be Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders' moment, mm-hmm. but it was really the first lady's moment. After mm-hmm. that, we were all ready to go mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. We were in tears because she was able to, and I don't think there's anyone who was able to blame this full circle that her kids are playing in the lawn and living in a house that plays built. And we were able to hear that and receive that in a way that no politician, no yeah. leader, yeah. no one is able to elevate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, Lauren, your reaction to this line, the insults, those bare face and those adorned as jokes, the acidic scrutiny, the manufactured scandals, the base questioning of legitimacy, the tone of disrespect, so ubiquitous, so casual. She has faced them and sometimes she hurt and sometimes she blinked. But through it all, she remained herself. Right. Well, obviously, Michelle Obama is a first lady for the new millennium. She's the first lady that puts another chapter onto the position of first lady in the same way that Hillary Clinton did uh, over 20 years ago. Mm. The first lady, of course, was there to pick some drapes and bake some cookies and smile behind her husband. That was about it. Obviously, Hillary Clinton really changed that game in a real way. Uh, Betty Ford, of course, did a little of that beforehand, but, but Hillary Clinton getting involved in hard policy was really a a historic moment. Now we have, of course, Michelle Obama, who's not only gotten involved in policy, but here we have, of course, a Princeton, Harvard trained uh, lawyer, writer, former vice president, executive at a hospital, et cetera, and so on. Right. Somebody who actually has the same sort of powerful resume yeah. as the president. As the president. I mean, we've rarely she seen that. She was the president's <laughs> boss. That's right. Exactly right. And people forget that. In a, in a society where we see things like sorority sisters and, mm-hmm. and Real Housewives of Atlanta, the way mm-hmm. black women are portrayed mm-hmm. as being crazy and this and that, we have the first lady, of course, totally clapping back at that in no real intentional way other than existing. And her mm-hmm. existence, just like the president, the first black president of the United States, is powerful in itself. So right, it right. is a tremendous contribution that this first lady has given us. And she will, you know, her, her legacy is going to go on for a long time because mm-hmm. that subliminal power that she has is undeniable. Jamila, I will give you the last word. So where do we go from here looking at our first lady? You know, I'm just so excited and anxious to see what her life after the White House looks like and how mm-hmm. much of it, you know, will be private. This, You know, mm-hmm. her her ready-to-go spirit mm-hmm. <laughs> has not been a, a secret, and it's something that the president has, you know, lovingly teased her about on a number of occasions, uh, you know, and, and her hesitancy to even embark upon this journey, uh, you know, almost nine years ago wasn't a secret. So I... You know, I, I think that she understands that the public loves her, and she understands that right now her party needs her, and that's why she's been such a mm-hmm. wonderful surrogate for Secretary Clinton. And, you know, I, I would imagine that she may take some private time, uh, you know, to herself and yeah. to kind of focus on her family and unlearning. And uh, she deserves it, and she mm-hmm. deserves it. Jamila Lemieux, Alencia Johnson, Lauren Burke, so thankful for you. This is The Leslie Marshall Show. We'll be right back after the break talking more about debate 2016. Thanks, and we'll be right back. Good 
afternoon. Good afternoon. This is Michelle Jawando on the Leslie Marshall Show. Always great to be with you and enjoying um, the coming towards the end of the show. Um, we have so many great things to talk about, and you are an amazing listening audience. If you want to join in the conversation, give us a call at 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. So we're going to get into this next segment, and I'm going to take one of our callers but you know yesterday was the third and the final debate we talked about immigration supreme court and it was interesting chris wallace actually started with the supreme mm-hmm. court which i actually thought was really good on his part and so joining me for the next uh, few minutes while we have you i'm excited to have in studio with me ian milheiser he's the justice editor at think progress uh if you don't follow him you should it's one of the funniest uh, uh funniest and informative people i follow on twitter you can find him at i m i l L-L-H-I-S-E-R. Ian, welcome to the show. It's good to be here. Thanks so much. Always great being here. So, Ishmael, let let me take you, because I know you saw and were paying attention to the debate. Uh, Welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. Thank you so much. Hello to you, Michelle, and hello to your guests. Thank you. How are you doing? Good, good. Um, You know that clip that you played earlier in your Mm -hmm. segment? Uh-huh. Uh, where he called her a nasty woman. That reminded me a lot to uh, Joe Wilson when he out in the hall of mm. the Congress mm. to Barack Obama. You lie. This is how they, yeah, this is how they feel. Like they intolerate. They can say anything to anybody. This is how the Republicans think and feel. You know. Right. 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 But, right. Yeah, and then regarding to Michelle Obama, I think she should take a page from Hillary and twenty twenty four. Right oh. For the president. oh, here you go. I, I, you'll be you'll be on the recruiting committee. I love it. I love it. <laughs> exactly. And I, exactly. And I just wanted to finish up with um, a question. What, with Trump supporters, what what's going to happen after the election? I mean, yeah. are we seeing yeah. Tea Party Part Two? Yeah. You know, and yeah. I'll take yeah. my uh, answer off the phone. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Ian. Why don't you take that one? Kick off. I mean, yeah. you know, Lauren, who who joined us on the previous segment, um, talked a lot about that. There's a direct line. Right. between what we saw with the Tea Party right. um, and where we are now with Donald Trump, which is why I think it's interesting to see um, some Republicans distance themselves right. from Donald Trump for sharing many of the same ideas, yep. but just maybe not wrapped up in the same soft package that right. they tried to produce. Yeah, I mean, certainly, I mean, when you look at the sort of over-the-top rhetoric mm-hmm. that Trump has had about the election being rigged, mm-hmm. that's just him borrowing off of what Republicans have been saying for the last 10 years about voter fraud. Right, right, right. So, like, there's a lot of similarities there. But I do think that Trump is a real change Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. in the sense that prior to Donald Trump, the GOP leadership, at least, was Mm -hmm. very focused on the, like, business conservative economic side, let's dismantle Medicare and use the the proceeds to give tax cuts to the super rich. I mean, Mm -hmm. that, that was what they were into. And Trump is, you know, the white nationalists mm-hmm. and the straight-up racists mm-hmm. and the people aren't necessarily straight-up racists but are driven by cultural grievances mm-hmm. have always been part of that coalition, mm-hmm. but they were the junior part in that coalition. And what has happened is the ideas that people like Speaker Ryan were putting forth, the dismantling of Medicare, those aren't popular ideas. There isn't mm-hmm. much of a constituency for them. And because of that, I think that, you know, there weren't that many people in the coalition who were there for that. Mm -hmm. 
And the people who were there for cultural grievances or racism realized that they were in a more dominant position they were being, that their numbers were mm-hmm. just a lot greater. There's a lot more of that. Uh, yeah, as, yeah. As, as, yeah, as compared to what Ryan has backing him. And so now you have a battle for control. And I think there's a very real chance that the white nationalists win because, I mean, like, I don't want to be too pessimistic about my country. I mean, most people in this country are not white nationalists. Mm-hmm. But within that coalition, if the two competing factions are the people who, you know, think we should dismantle our entitlement programs mm-hmm. and the Trump and the Trump supporters, I, I just think there's more of the Trump supporters. Yeah. Um, let me go ahead and bring in Michael from the Bronx. Michael, welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. Hey, hey. Hey. How are you doing? Oh, you it's know, great to have you. Oh, and it's always great to be here. Uh, you might recall that um, the other day that I had called for uh, a criminal investigation prose- and even prosecution against um, the Trump supporters, even Giuliani supporters, including Giuliani and Trump themselves, who've been inciting the violence that we've been seeing and hearing, and then now we have more threats of violence. I, I mean, after yesterday's debate, as far as I'm concerned, Trump is done. He mm. is finished. He, he's hit an all-time low, the constant rudeness and abrasiveness towards Hillary, towards the moderator, who is also Republican, mind you. I mean, this guy does not have any sense or any uh, regards for simple rules. He wants to call himself law and order. He wants to overturn Roe v. Wade. He wants to bring back stop and frisk. And that should be a scary thing for especially women after what, all that we've yeah. heard yeah. of him. Yeah. You know, if I can make a prediction before I go, mm-hmm. that after the election, Hillary will wake up to the sounds of hail to the chief. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. So, you know, Ian, I think in some ways, Michael speaks to, I think, um, a frustration Mm -hmm. for many when they look at the behaviors of Donald Trump that are so beyond the pale. Um, And it's just how that for any other politician, some behaviors are criminal, right, when we're talking about sexual assault. But just the statements, the things that he said, um, showing just a a complete lack of understanding on basic, when it comes to the Constitution, the way the government works, the way processes work, the way the presidency, what you can actually control or not. Um, I think Michael speaks to some of that frustration in a real way. No, I mean, there certainly is. I mean, and I think, People are right to be frustrated. I mean, this has been going on, you know, long before Trump is the breakdown of the sort of um, informal norms that mm-hmm. allow our, mm-hmm. our our society to function. Like mm-hmm. it used to be that every bill was not filibustered. Right. You know, right, it used right. to be that if there was a Supreme Court vacancy, that you would hold hearings, and you would have a vote, mm-hmm. and you w- you wouldn't have a blanket bla- mm-hmm. a blanket policy of not confirming anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a lot of stuff that used to be off the table and is now on the table, mm-hmm. and it's making it very hard for our, our country to function. Mm-hmm. I, I think Trump has taken that sort of norm violation and, you know, 
put it on steroids. Right. And, yeah. Right. Um, you know, it, one you, you kind of alluded to mm-hmm. to something that I wanted to get into. So for those who may not have caught the debate, you're listening to Michelle Jawando on the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm with my guest Ian Milheiser from Think Progress. Um, one of the one of the things that um, happened yesterday, mm-hmm. we started the debate conversation talking about the Supreme Court. And for my regular listeners, you know that I am one of those Supreme Court nerds that constantly watch and pay attention and write about and think about the court. I'm proud Ian's a part of that coalition right Very there. Very nerdy. Um, and, and what was fascinating... Obviously, I'm really glad that we had the conversation yesterday at the debate, but in some ways, an earlier statement Mm -hmm. from an old Republican presidential nominee um, made even more news. Um, Earlier, uh, Senator John McCain from Arizona made a statement that basically said, um, doesn't matter who Hillary Clinton puts up, we're not going to consider any nominee. And when we get back from the break, I want to go into, was this actually a moment of of both candid admission on behalf of all of the Republican Party? Um, and is this just the new norm, the obstruction fights that we've never seen before? You're listening to Michelle Jawando on The Leslie Marshall Show. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to The Leslie Marshall Show. Truth for all sides of the spectrum. 888-6-LESLIE. afternoon and welcome back. This is Michelle Jawando on the Leslie Marshall Show. So great to be with you. I am back in studio with actually two guests now. Um, joining me again for the second half, Ian Milheiser. He's the justice editor at Think Progress. You can find him I-M-I-L-L-H-I-S-E-R. And also joining us in studio is Beatrice Lopez. She's the managing director of comms at the Center for American Progress Action Fund. You can find her on Twitter at B-E-A-T-R-I-Z L-U-T-H-O-R. So, Ian, before the break, we started talking about McCain, and you had a great piece at Think Progress this week. So, was he just telling the truth, and that's, he got slipped up telling the truth? I I mean, to a certain extent, I don't think it matters whether he, like, was charting out a devious plan, or if these were just words that dribbled out of his mouth. Mm -hmm. Because, so here's the problem. What, What McCain said is he said that no matter who Hillary Clinton nominates to the Supreme Court, Republicans aren't going aren't to confirm. So if you want to have a Supreme Court, I guess that means we also have to have a Democratic Senate. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about that is, even if that's not their plan, I mean, let's just look at the numbers. That's essentially what they're doing. Yeah, it's yeah. what it's what, and just look at the numbers here. So, mm-hmm. like, it takes one senator That's to trigger right. a filibuster. That's right. So then you need sixty votes to confirm a Supreme Court justice. Yep. The last time there was a Supreme Court vacancy was Justice Elena Kagan. That's right. Only five Republicans voted for her. Yep. yep. And only two of them are still in the Senate. That's right. So that's right. You need at least eleven Republicans to confirm a Supreme Court justice if. You, you know, if they, if 
as long as we have the filibuster. As as long as we have the fil as long as we have the filibuster. But if they control the the Senate, they're not getting rid of the filibuster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and like I just don't see like if Elena Kagan, who is a conventional Democrat, completely, who was who was well known to many of the senators on the Hill, who was well known, and and, and who was nominated at a time when the stakes were lower because we were basically replacing an older liberal with a younger liberal. Right, right. Like if she could only get five votes. Mm Mm-hmm. The chances that when the th- control of the Supreme Court is at stake, when it's the Scalia seat, mm-hmm. that whoever Clinton nominates is going to get 11 votes, like, I just don't see you that don't see happening. The math. Yeah. Beatrice, you spent a lot of time on the ground both kind of doing campaign work and, and you're watching this. I think the Supreme Court obstruction is emblematic of a larger issue where we see a breakdown of how we function with one another. And particularly, it is Democrats who are trying to kind of hold on in some ways to kind of the ideas that government should still function. But people on the outside see this breakdown and they're like, what? Government doesn't work. But but that's not quite the full story. No, that's exactly right. And on the ground, I've... I've been to probably every battleground state there is, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I've worked with a lot of the groups there. And what you're, you're seeing in the is, East Coast right now, just yeah, so you, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the East Coast. But what you're seeing though on the ground it is this: they say the government's not functioning, right? You know, right, right. the two parties aren't getting along. But what yeah. you're not seeing, and, and when I go also the kinds of questions that I get on mm-hmm. the ground from particularly like local media, mm-hmm. which are seeing it the same way, which is an issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, uh, because mm-hmm. even the media is buying into it, right? And right. so the things that they're asking are, you know, why isn't that it doesn't? Why is it so dysfunctional? Mm-hmm. But it's not that the government's dysfunctional. It's just one party mm-hmm. that's being dysfunctional. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a huge problem. It's a huge messaging problem. Yeah. And looking yeah. into 2017, it's one of the things that we have to sort of uh, see how how we fix it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know the the other question that I have, kind of moving forward. So the debates are now finished. We're 19 days away. Um, the conversation about the election being rigged, um, and mm-hmm. I was so glad that President Obama said, "Look, stop whining. Just go out and earn." Uh, earn your earn votes right. um, and it will be a very different makeup but just kind of that perception that something is being stolen I think is incredibly damaging yeah. um, towards the psyche of an American people who already feel battered and bruised and you know if you're the average Joe and you're just been underneath the middle class squeeze for years now you're like hey maybe this election is rigged yeah I mean I'll go further by saying damaging to people's psyche I mean it is dangerous yeah I, yeah. I, I mean like the good news and i mean who knows what's actually going to happen on election day but at least right now the polls look like there's going to be a decisive enough victor that i don't think that too many people are going to buy the notion that the election was somehow stolen but um there are a lot there are 300 million people in this country with That's 300 right. million people you're going to have some crazies yeah and there's also a lot of guns in this country <laughs> more guns than people yeah and, and i mean like I do think that when Trump is, uh, you know, telling people that, you know, th- th- this election is being stolen, that that the system is rigged, that w- when he is explicitly saying to his followers things like, you know, in certain areas in Philadelphia, that is where they are rigging the vote, right, and you right. need to go there and stop there. them That's from right. rigging the vote. That's right. Like. People hear that message, and some have been quoted in the press hearing a, an explicit message mm-hmm. that involves bringing their guns. Right. To polling places. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, and the total irony is that voter suppression does exist, and it's, you know, created by Republican legislators. (laughs) 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 There's no rigged system, but if we're going to talk about something that is, you know, an issue, it is, you know, voter suppression that comes from legislative you know, and other court um, decisions that have been made throughout the years. But that does not mean that we have a rigged system. But it it, is true. It's very dangerous. And, you know, it's part of my job is, like, how do you message that? How do you Mm -hmm. turn that around Mm -hmm. and talk about the real issue at hand Mm -hmm. without scaring voters? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I also think Mm -hmm. it's important to empower voters. We Mm -hmm. shared yesterday on the show 866-HOUR-VOTE. So if you have any questions, nonpartisan, toll-free number that's also available in English and Spanish. If you just want to know where your polling place is, you can do that. CAP, I'm proud to be a part of the Election Protection Coalition, just looking out for voters, not for any candidate or party, just the voters. Um, And I think that's really important. So I always try to end with a little bit of hope (laughs) (laughs) because it's tough these days. Um, But, you know, the listeners on the Leslie Marshall Show are are wonderful, and I I am part of the, the group of people who believe this country has greater greater days in front of it. I, I have to believe that because I have three little people who are looking at me and they expect me to fix it. So I have to work as hard as possible to make that happen. So what are you looking forward to, Mr. Milheiser? Well, I mean, chances are we are not going to have a crazy disputed election. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, chances mm-hmm. are this could be a decisive victory. Mm-hmm. Um, And there's a very good likelihood that we will have a liberal Supreme Court for the first time in half a century Mm -hmm. and only the second time in American history. And that means a lot of really wonderful things can happen. I mean, a lot of things to re-empower workers, a lot of things to um, help fight discrimination, a lot of things to give back voting rights that Mm -hmm. have been taken away in the last, you know, under the Roberts courts. And on top of that, we could have a fairer lecture system because there's a real chance that we will, that partisan gerrymandering would be struck mm-hmm. down. <laughs> so, <you'd>, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, there's a lot of, like, terrible, like, if you look at all the possible futures, there's a lot of them that look really bad. Right. But I actually think most of them look pretty, look good, pretty good, at least for yeah. the, like, yeah. the, the next, you know, four or five year window. And Ian, what's the name of your book in case you want to know all of the really bad things that have happened? A- Ian, Ian catalogued them in detail. And <laughs> oh, Thank you. Uh, my book is Injustices, the Supreme Court's History of Comforting the Comfortable and Afflicting the Afflicted. You gotta love that title. That's my favorite part of the book. Beatrice. <laughs> I guess what I'm, <laughs> to end on a real positive note, I, you know, personally, I'm hoping that the Latino vote comes in strong mm. at the end of you know 2016 ends with a bang that we're not considered the Latino voters aren't considered the sleeping giant any longer mm. and it sends a clear mandate going into 2017 you know where we see immigration reform finally come you know become a reality um, you know because it's we keep talking about the 11 million 12 million undocumented population in, in the U.S. and there hasn't been a sol- solution for more than a decade, mm-hmm. and it's time. So I'm that's like my biggest hope. Yeah, yeah, issue yeah. Dear, dear to me, near, and, yeah, yeah, near and dear. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying let's talk about the 11 million undocumented, we want to hear the 35 million young Latinos who showed out on election that's day true. and yes. and and change. Give give people a new number. I give like people that. a new number. Yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. there's 28.5 million eligible. Uh, 
Latino voters. Okay, so I just yeah. added like yeah, a whole bunch it, of millions, but, <laughs> but it's coming. It's, it's coming. coming. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's even much more hopeful. But you know, it's like if they come out in bigger numbers than they what they did in 2012. I mean, it'll be a very happy day, and it'll it'll be it'll mean so much for the progressive movement as well. This is Michelle Jawando on the Leslie Marshall Show. I want to just thank my guest, Ian Milheiser, Beatrice Lopez, for coming in studio today. Listen, we gave you a little bit of hope. We scared you a little bit, too, but we try to give you it all here on the Leslie Marshall Show. Always an honor and privilege. If you want to find us on Twitter, go ahead and check out at Leslie Marshall, at Michelle Jawando, at Ian Milheiser, at Beatrice Luther. And have a great week, and we'll be back soon. This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery.